maroon and bold! Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Maroon and Bold. I'm sports editor Christian Moore here with Central Michigan Life. And this week we're taking you through what was an interesting week in Chippewa Athletics and previewing the week ahead, uh, which will also be very interesting. It's our last episode before spring break. Um, and going to dive right in here for you. Uh, the women's basketball team had to make a couple of additions to the roster. Um, with injuries and transfers, the Chippewas had just six active scholarship players heading into a showdown at Western Michigan, so the Chippewas combated that by adding two players from the Chippewa volleyball team, um, Cameron Olson and Austin DeWeese. Olson listed as a guard, DeWeese a forward. Uh, both played high school basketball, but were coming to Central Michigan to play volleyball. Uh, but desperate times call for desperate measures, and both are now at least temporary members of the Chippewa women's basketball team. Um, so it'll be interesting to follow that here as the Chippewas finish their season. They've got two games left. They play at home. Their home finale is Wednesday at 7 p.m. against Ball State, and then they travel to Northern Illinois on March 5th um, for a 2 p.m. showdown on Saturday. The men's basketball team, meanwhile, is in a much better situation. Currently, they're in the seventh seed. Obviously, only the top eight teams make it to Cleveland for the MAC tournament. Chippewas at 6-10 and 10 are seventh. They play Miami, who is Coincidentally, eighth um, in Tuesday's matchup. It's the Chippewas' home finale. They travel to Akron on sa- uh, Friday rather for the season finale. Um, basically got to win one out of those two. Um, so right now there's two teams with six wins, CMU and Miami. They'll play each other. Um, the winner likely is in the tournament for sure. And then there's three teams below them with five wins. And the Chippewas lose out. They risk being passed over by one of those 5-13 and 13 teams. However, a one victory out of the next two should lock up a situation for the Chippewas to go down and compete for a MAC tournament title and an NCAA automatic qualifying berth, which comes with winning the MAC tournament. So CMU playing with everything in front of them. They control their own, its own destiny, and they have a certain chance of making it to the MAC tournament. All it's going to take is one win. The Central Michigan softball team had a tough weekend, not with the results on the field. You look at the schedule, you see they went 2-1. and one. However, it was an off-the-field circumstance. The Chippewas were involved in a bus accident in Conway, South Carolina, where they were at for a tournament in Coast Carolina University. The Chippewas made it out of the accident with minor injuries, but it speaks to their resolve, right, because it's a tough situation to go through. Anytime you have an accident like that, it's a very traumatic event, and we're going to talk about it with our softball beat reporter, Megan Youngblood. But the Chippewas stuck together. They came through. They won their next game on Saturday and were in position to win on Sunday before the game was called due to inclement weather. So Megan is going to give you all the details on that in just a little bit. She did some great reporting, and you can find the story on our website, cm-life.com. The baseball team went 3-1. and one. Chippewa baseball is now 3-4 and four on the season. They took the first three of a four-game series with Western Kentucky before falling in a wild game Sunday, 14-7, to seven, to the Hilltoppers. Jordan Patty, Andrew Taylor, Logan Butchkowski got the start for the Chippewas in the first three. It was Murray State transfer Jake Jones who got the win on Friday. Chippewas led by Jacob Marcy, who has been on a tear to start the season. In the first seven games, he's hitting 423. He's 11 for 26. He's hit a double, a triple, and a home run. Nine RBI for Jacob Marcy early on. Sophomore Colton Coca also off to a good start. Eight hits and 20 at-bats, batting an even 400. And then Mario Camaletti and Danny Westenfeld, two guys with their averages above 300. Bunch of other guys right around that 300 range, but they haven't played in the seven or six game, excuse me, standard. I believe to qualify for team leading, you have to average two plate appearances per game and play in 75% of the games. And there's only a handful of guys on the Chippewa roster who have done that to this point in the season. Obviously, that'll change. Um, and then on the pitching side, Ryan Coley had a nice a performance. 
Um, or excuse me, Ryan Palmblad had a nice performance um, in his showing on Saturday. Um, he leads the team, hasn't allowed a run in two and two-thirds innings pitched. Transfer Ryan Insko has had a nice start to his Chippewa career. Three appearances, five innings, and just a 1.8 ERA. Obviously, Andrew Taylor, the one everybody wants to see. Um, 1-0, got his first win on Saturday. He struck out 10 and 10 in the third innings. 11 hits, 4 earned runs, and a 3-4-8 ERA. And then obviously, like I mentioned, Jake Jones got his first win as a Chippewa on Saturday. But CMU will be back in action this upcoming weekend. They're going to travel to North Carolina, the campus of Wake Forest. They're going to play four games in three days. They're going to play a doubleheader Saturday, first against UMass Lowell, and then against Wake Forest. And then they'll play UMass Lowell again on Sunday before moving to Greensboro, North Carolina, to take on North Carolina A&T on March 8th. They're going to start conference play on March 11th. So it'll be interesting to see how the Chippewas do once they get into conference play. And then quickly moving over to track and field, Haley Manners won the long jump as the Chippewas finished ninth at the Mid-American Conference Championships on Saturday. They were fifth on Friday. And then CMU Lacrosse, also with a win, it's first of the season. They won their home opener against Butler, 16-11. The gymnastics team, meanwhile, beat Kent State in their home showing on Sunday. They're going to travel to the Illinois Quad Meet on March 4th for their next um, appearance. And then quickly moving along to field hockey as the field hockey program hired a new head coach. The... Jennifer Johnstone is the new head coach of field hockey. She replaces Catherine Ostwich. And CMU will look to revamp that program, which has been struggling as of late. So CMU, a lot going on in Chippewa Athletics. And now, without any further ado, let's go ahead and get into our conversations with beat reporters. First up, our duo of Ashley Berkness, our men's basketball reporter, and Megan Youngblood, our softball reporter, to talk about what went on this past weekend. And what's at stake for CMU men's basketball heading into this week? All right, welcome to another edition of Maroon and Bold. I'm sports editor Christian Boer. And for this segment, I am joined by our two softball reporters. They've been doing a little bit of everything lately. Um, Ashley Berkness here has handled our men's basketball coverage for most of the year alongside Noah Wolbrecht. And then Megan Youngblood has done some wrestling and now it's kind of taken the softball beat by storm. So before we get into all that, though, first, it's the last week before spring break. How are we feeling? Feeling good. Ready to go home. Yes. So you're going to go home. Ashley, any plans for spring break? So I'm going to go home for, like, three days and then hopefully book it to Cleveland. Yeah. No, that's correct, Ashley. If we can get the men's basketball team to Cleveland, um, then we will – no doubt, send Ashley, Megan, we have a couple of great photographers going with as well. Um, Megan, a lot to talk about with you today. Um, softball, um, and then also at the end of this segment, I want to get into a little wrestling talk because the MAC championships are this week as well. Um, but let's start with softball. Biggest story of the weekend, right? Um, so the softball team heads down to Coastal Carolina, and I think it's Conway, South Carolina? Yeah. Um, they, they think that, you know, it's just going to be a run-of-the-mill weekend. We're going to go play, what, four games and then get back on the bus, the plane, and head back home. They got something completely different. Um, and first of all, want to just kind of introduce it. The softball team is involved in a bus crash um, on Friday night, and they've still got two games to play on their schedule at this point, which is crazy to be able to, to go and – deal with that and then come back and play. Um, just the, the courage that it takes to do that and the wherewithal it takes to do that. And they did just that, right? They played again Saturday, won the game, um, played Sunday. That game got rained out in, what, the fifth inning. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we get into any of that, I just want to commend, like, h- how much strength that takes for that team. Um, that group of student-athletes, they're going to be connected forever, right? That's part of what you signed up for when you come to play college softball. But then going through an experience like that is – Crazy. So, Megan, I want to get your thoughts, and, and you did a great job reporting the story. You can find it on our website at cml-life.com. Um, just kind of walk us through, set the scene, what happened, 
um, and how did the team respond? Right, they were, um, it was Friday night, you know, they were coming back from a, a restaurant in town called McAllister's Deli, and their bus driver just lost consciousness, wow. and for like 250 yards, they were going off the road, missing street signs, poles, trees, and their assistant coach, um, Brittany, I don't know how to say her last name. Merchant. Merchant. Okay, she grabbed the wheel and like got them off the side of the road and was able to get the bus to stop. And it was just like McCullough said, it was a traumatic event and they've been able to pull through it. And luckily they had about 15 parents there with them and they were able to get them back to the hotel and everything and just like kind of get them calmed down and try to get them to get to sleep. And there were lots of crying, lots of hugs, lots of emotions. And I think the best thing that uh, McCullough said was that she was scared herself and she was honest with her team about it. Yeah, no, that's good. Um, you know, I think in the world of college athletics, there's a certain element of, you know, I don't want to say dishonesty, right? But like when you're pitching your school to a kid, you, you, you have to kind of whet their appetite a little bit, right? You have to tell them like, hey, you're going to come in here. You're going to be an important piece. And you're gonna you're gonna play something. And I think that, based on hearing you say that, I think McCall Salmon is like a saint, right? Because right. the honesty is huge. And in today's day and age of college athletics, there's so much scandal. And obviously, it hasn't happened here, but there's so much scandal and dishonesty all throughout the country. And to hear a coach who's straight up with her team, she's honest with her team. I think that's great, personally. Um, and again, so much credit to Coach Salmon and Coach Merchant and that group for getting through that whole situation. Um, just what, what was kind of your impression on it all? Um, I think it was, um, it was obviously traumatic and I think it really, but I think it really helped shape the girls and it proved that they can come together as a team and that it's something that they can move past and that it's something that they're going to remember forever. And it's going to be hard to not to forget it. And it's something that this team just, um, needed to do to come together and they came out and represented central in the right way yes absolutely and they're not gonna face anything tougher than what they faced on friday night right there's not gonna be a team in this country number one to i don't know how many d1 softball teams but from the best team in the country to the worst you're not gonna face a tougher opponent than the mental battle that comes with going through an accident and then less than 24 hours you're playing again Yeah, you're playing and yeah and I, I just think that takes so much strength and so much courage to get back up and do that. Um, and they go out and win the game, right? Right. Grace Leto pitched really well. I think it was a two-hitter. Yeah. Um, and she had a career-high 11 strikeouts. And Salmon said she was like, Grace wanted to play the best for her team. And that's all she asked of her players is, like, win or lose, it doesn't matter. I just want you guys to play your best. And she even she said it so well. She was like, the game is the game. It's going to give what you put into yep. it. And even if you guys win or lose, you know, I'm just proud of you for getting out there. And I think that's what the team needed to hear. And I think them winning the game made it even better. And Grace was a huge part of that. I mean, she came out and she was throwing strikeout after strikeout. And it's just, she fired them up. Yeah. And, you know, they've been, I think they're 4-4 four and four now on this season. Um, they just, they. it seems like this is a special group, right? You've yeah. Because, and again, I don't know how much our listeners follow the, the softball team on social media, but they, 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 they definitely should. Great point, <laughs> Ashley. Um, they they kind of had this thing about it, right? It's Team 44, right? It's the 44th team in program history. Um, and I saw a social media post um, from, the, from the team's account before the season started. I think it was just like a highlight reel of them in practice. And, and there was a tweet. I don't remember who tweeted it, but it was, Team 44 is deserving. They're hardworking. And, you know, a lot of teams put that kind of stuff out there. But after going, watching them go through this and seeing how this all transpired, it's hard not hard to, to not agree with that, right? right? Mm -hmm. Because there's so much adversity that comes with just playing sports in general, right? People get hurt. People get injured. It happens. But to go through something like that and then come back, and nobody would have blamed them if they would have just said, you know what, this happened, we're getting back on the plane, we're right. going home. Mm -hmm. But they came back and they played two games. One obviously got rained out. And then when the rain happened, I don't know if you guys caught this, but they helped Coastal yeah. Carolina tarp the field. Yeah. I just am so impressed by that weekend. I, I don't know how else to put it into words, but, Megan, what are, what's your impression on this team going forward? Obviously, long way to go till conference play starts, but – I mean, just what are your thoughts early on? 
they're fighters. And mm-hmm. Selman said that when I interviewed her, talked about that. This team is coming back and fighting. And I'm not just after the bus crash, but in games. The game on Sunday that got canceled, they were down three to nothing. And they mm-hmm. were going to the rain delay. They were up five to four. Yep. And yep. so it was, you know, this team comes back and fights and they lean on each other. Especially now, they are leaning on each other, and I think that's the biggest thing is that this team is going to come back and fight, and they're going to rely on each other for every single game, and they're going to help pick each other up. Yeah, I just I think that's awesome. I really do. I think that it's such a good look to to get through that, right? To to go and play and and win, right? And but it, you know the result obviously doesn't matter, but just the fact that they got back out there and played is is so impressive. So before we get off softball talk, though, I do want to talk a little bit about the weekend as far as on the field, just performances that stood out to you uh, over the weekend down at Coastal Carolina. Uh, Shannon Stein, you know, she's, I'm pretty sure she's leading the offense and everything. Yeah. She is just doing phenomenal. And, of course, you can't not mention Grace Leto with her career high strikeouts. But I think their pitching is definitely improving from, from last weekend. I mean, Caitlin Bean, she definitely struggles here and there. But she will struggle one game, come back, and do phenomenal. And I think that's – Something that's amazing, and that like like Selman said, they're fighting and they're getting back to it. And I think our, with the pitching getting better every weekend and every game, that's something that is um, really good for the team. And but Shannon Sign is phenomenal. With no doubt. The bat. Um, I saw that I, you know in because I do I edit the articles right and I put them out there. Um, I saw that they had taken the lead five to four, and the game was called with the bases loaded. Right, yes. so there's a very good chance that had they finished that game, they would have hung a bunch more runs. Right, because I think it was bases loaded, one out. Yeah. yeah. So you've got plenty of leeway there to go on a run. Um, I just, I'm, I'm so impressed with that team and and how they handled the weekend, and obviously results aside, just so much strength that you can take away from that weekend. Um. Ashley, we're going to move the conversation over to you now because if the softball team is the biggest story of this past week, then the men's basketball team is certainly the biggest um, heading into this week because they're right securely, firmly on the MAC tournament bubble. Um, The conference made the change uh, following the COVID pandemic. used to be all 12 teams get into the tournament regardless, and they have the first play-in game on the opposing campus before the, uh, the eight remaining teams go to Cleveland. That's not the case anymore, right? It's only the top eight get in. Only the top eight have a chance to, you know, get that automatic bid to the NCAA tournament that comes with winning the conference tournament. So CMU currently 6-10. and ten. They sit seventh right now. Now, they've had a little bit of good luck, right? Obviously, COVID pandemic going on, that's not good for anybody. But no. the Chippewas had two games canceled. Uh, they didn't reschedule them just because they were in kind of that schedule crunch and so they weren't able to play two games. So they're going to finish with 18 conference games while everybody else in the MAC has played 20. And this is going to help them. You know, this is going to help them because they now have a little bit more margin for error because their their seed is going to be decided by winning percentage. And as a result, they're going to be able to maybe get a leg up on some of these other teams. Um, obviously, it looks like Buffalo was postponed. And then a home game against Ball State were the two that um, aren't going to be played, obviously, during that string of COVID postponements. Mm -hmm. So, Ashley, two games left. They host Miami, then they go to Akron. In your opinion, what are the chances that this team is playing in Cleveland next week? Um, I think they have a really good chance. They have grown so much as a team from the very first start of the season. Even in MAC play, they... They've grown so much, and it has shown uh, that they've grown. And I think going into this week playing Miami, they just beat Miami, like, what, a week ago? Uh-huh. And they played amazing. And Miami's, like, we're, like, neck and neck with them. So I think it'll be a good game. And I think it's at home, so that's going to help. They've had a huge crowd these last few games at home. So I think that's helped a lot, too. And I think if we can get that win at home against Miami – and head into Akron, and I think they'll be golden. Yeah, I mean, right now looking at the standings, there's three teams that are 5-13, and 13, and then there's two with six wins. Central Michigan and Miami both with six wins. Central Michigan ahead of Miami because they beat them head-to-head, and they've played two less games. Uh, Miami 6-12. and 12. So 
thank goodness for the internet. I have the Mid-American Conference Men's Basketball Tournament Seeding Tiebreaker website. You can find it and do this yourself. It's bball.notnothing.net. You can, there's every single conference tournament. You can sit here, you can play with hypotheticals, and you can, what it will, the computer will then seed the tournament. Um, so we've got every MAC game remaining, right? There's two dates left, March 1st, March 4th. And what we're going to go do is we're going to just play with hypotheticals. Um, so right now, let's say Central Michigan loses out. Now, the ones you want to pay attention to, Bowling Green, Miami, Eastern Michigan, Northern Illinois, all within a game of CMU. So let's say Central Michigan loses out, right? They go 0-2. Let's say Miami wins out, and then in turn, that would mean Eastern Michigan would have to lose to Miami, and then Bowling Green in this scenario loses out as well. So let's just go ahead and hit calculate seeds. So Central Michigan loses out, still gets the eight seed, because Eastern Michigan finishes six and fourteen, and then Bowling Green would finish five and fifteen. So Central Michigan can get away with losing out as long as Eastern Michigan doesn't win out. Is yeah. what it, it's what this basically means. Because if Eastern Michigan wins out real quick, and Central Michigan loses out, Eastern Michigan would then get in. Um, as well as Miami, should they win out. Um, the only other scenario I would want to look at is, let's say Miami loses out, and sent, which would mean that Central Michigan beat them, right? So yeah. essentially, if Central Michigan beats Miami, they're in. Yeah. And it's it's that simple. Seven wins is kind of that target, right, mm -hmm. for those teams that want to get in. Uh, because either Central Michigan or Miami is going to have that seventh win on Tuesday. Yeah. And – in turn, that essentially gets you over the hump because then those five team, those five win teams can't catch up to you. Um, although Eastern could with Central because they have the head to head. So basically, we're looking at a make or break game on Tuesday night. Yeah, <laughs> big game. Um, and you can go out. You know, if you're in the area, it's in Mount Pleasant. Is it 7 p.m. tip off? Yes. Yep. So then you'd have um, the ability to go check out the Chippewas. Just kind of, you know, you've covered the team pretty much the whole year. Yeah. What's been your impression of the program's turnaround? It looks like kind of after they got hit that COVID pause, things kind of turned around. Obviously, Jermaine Jackson left. You've yeah. had some other guys stepping up. It seems like just about every night there's a new name mm -hmm. that comes out and plays super well for the Chippewas. Just what's, what do you think has been the key to this turnaround? I think that they are working a lot better as a team. You know, it's a very new team, so they had to, you know, learn to work together, and they obviously took a while, and I think – with that whole two weeks of like COVID and being off and then Jermaine Jackson leaving, I think they all kind of like gravitated towards each other and like started helping one another out yeah. like on the floor. And I think that's really helped them. Yeah, it's going to be super interesting to follow. I, you know, I think I don't usually go to games because obviously I have to edit and I don't really want to be the guy in the stands with my computer, but <laughs> I, I might have to go and check it out on Tuesday night. Um, and if you feel so inclined and you're in the area, go out and watch what Coach Barbie's doing because Tony's got him rolling. Um, yeah. This team was picked, I believe, 11th in the MAC at the beginning of the year, but ahead of only Western Michigan. Mm -hmm. And to see them within a game of the MAC tournament year one, it just gives you a lot of optimism. Obviously, the three seniors are Cameron Healy, Ralph Besaith, and Harrison Henderson. Um, those three guys aren't coming back next year. I thought Healy had another year, but he may – obviously he's had a breakout year. He may just – either he's graduating or he's just decided that, you know, go try your luck because there's a premium on shooting at the pro level, and uh, he's going he's gonna to find somewhere. I really think they all will. Um, but yeah. just as far as returners go, Ashley, who do you think is – you can't say Kevin Miller because he's the mm -hmm. obvious answer, but just yeah. – Heading into year two of Tony Barbie's tenure, obviously year one, far from over, but mm -hmm. who do you think is in a good spot as far as maybe being a breakout player? And, again, you can't say Kevin Miller because he's the easy answer. I think uh, Brian Taylor. I think he has – he's very quiet, and when he, like, gets on the floor, he's also very quiet. But he – when you need him the most, he's there. And he can find those shots and make those shots. And I think he's been a real asset to the team, and he's just going to continue to thrive. Yeah, I think the thing with, with Brian Taylor, and I've kind of gotten this impression both in talking to Tony Barbie before this season and just kind of watching from afar, right, because you've obviously taken on the day-to-day -day stuff, but just kind of watching from afar, 
Um, it looks like the Chippewas kind of took a chance on Brian Taylor yeah. as just a pure athlete, right? He can jump out of the gym, rebounds well, he's quick, uh, he gets up and down the floor well. I think that they kind of saw what he can become with a little bit of coaching, with a little bit of development. And towards the end of the year, I mean, he's been putting up points lately um, and just kind of showing that there's more to him than just being kind of an untapped athlete, yeah. right? And that's kind of the big thing. And I think that there's a couple other guys on this team. I think Tony Green, who's redshirting, um, there's a lot of optimism with him as far as just being a guy who has all the athletic skills, don't have to teach him anything um, as far as that, but now it's about becoming a basketball player. And so I'm really interested to see where both Brian Taylor and then Tony Green goes as well. Yeah. Um, so, again, they can somehow find a way to Cleveland. You and Noah will be down there. Um, and hopefully we'll try and get Noah on a little bit later um, because he's also been handling some baseball stuff for us. But, Megan, I want to take this back to you quick before we get you guys out of here. Wrestling Conference Championships. Um, I believe the seeding came out. Um and CMU is armed and dangerous for um, starts March 4th. That's Friday. It's going to be in Athens, Ohio. Don't think we're going to be able to get you down there. Athens is not a drive that is super fun. I would know. I've been a part of it. Uh, former sports editor Austin Chastain and I um, went down to watch. It was actually a campus game for the MAC tournament. Um, we went down to watch CMU play Ohio back when the – uh, Bobcats had Jason Preston, and um, it, it was a blowout. It was a blowout. Um, the Chippewas lost, but more of the story is you don't want to have to go to Athens. <laughs> and so as I'm trying to find these um, rankings, just what does what CMU got going for them as far as the, the wrestling tournament goes? Obviously, it's individual tournament. Looks like the conference is going to be able to get 22 qualifiers for the NCAA Wrestling Individual Tournament. Um, so, CMU, where, where do they stand heading into this, this um, big weekend? I think they stand pretty well. I mean, they have a wrestler in every weight class but two that is going. And, I mean, every wrestler that is qualified to go has come out and fought in every single match, win or lose. And I think that is going to be the key thing is that they're determined and they're focused in everything that they do. And they're coming off of a weekend break, which they haven't had in, I don't think, all season. And so they definitely have had the practice and the time off, which I think they needed because you can definitely tell some of the wrestlers are getting tired. But they're going to come out focused and, like, I have full faith in them that they're going to do well. Yeah, so like I said, 22 qualifiers. Um, CMU currently has three who are in the, the number one ranked wrestler in the conference at their respective weight class, Dresden Simon, Johnny Lovett, Matt Stencil. But just because you're ranked number one doesn't mean you're a shoe in right? Uh, Dresden Simon's the number one wrestler in the country at 141. Um, you got to think that maybe if he, does, if he slips up somewhere that he may be one of the at-large qualifiers, right? Because every weight class in the national level will be um, made up of 33 wrestlers. Each weight class gets 33 across the country. Um, so there's going to be 22 automatic qualifiers from the MAC, and then there will be 43 at large from all conference. So you got to think that if he doesn't get in, you got to think maybe there's a chance he can slide into that at large um, situation there. So we got three, six, ten weight classes. So you got to think that's like two guys per weight class, right? So first and second, essentially. Um, and then some wiggle room with the other two spots. How many how many wrestlers do you think get down to nationals? Uh, which will, by the way, will be at Little Caesars <laughs> Arena in Detroit. So um, there's a good chance we can get down there. But I think two, and I think it's Dresden, Simon, and Stencil. I mean, they're the ones who come out every match and yeah. I think have only lost a few. Corbin Munson does have a chance of getting in there. Depending on who he wrestles, he um, he's a very great wrestler, but a lot of times the wrestlers that he faces are a little, I don't know how the best way to put it, but he gets, I don't he seems to win very easily, and I'm not, like, trying to, like, degrade his wins or whatever, but, like, you can tell that, like, it's a different type of wrestling, but um, I think Stencil and Simon are definitely the ones that are going to be the ones to watch yeah. and pay attention to. Yeah, and, uh, again, that starts Friday, 
Um, going to be a lot of fun to follow that. You can watch it on ESPN+. Plus. The thing I will say about wrestling, I had a little brother who wrestled uh, for a while when he was in like middle school. Those are long days. Yeah. Those are very <laughs> long days. Those tournaments drag on. Um, the I've always said nothing goes together like the smell of walking tacos and middle-aged like youth wrestling. Meets. <laughs> because my little brother, obviously you go to these big wrestling meets and there's 20, 30 teams, right? And then you've got the kids who like are like individually trained, right? Like their dads train them. And they go to these weekend tournaments, and it's just so busy. Mm-hmm. And you want to go get food, and the concession stand line is a mile long because everybody else has the same idea. Now, fortunately, when, you're, when you've got a little brother, that also entitles you to the benefits of the team meals. And you go into the back hallway or, like, one of the little areas, and you've got walking tacos, you've got pizza, hot dogs. I mean, these people go all out. And my little brother wasn't a very good wrestler when he started, but his last year he qualified for the state wrestling meet, which meant that even longer days, right? Because then you're going through the regional meet, and oh my goodness, it was just long, long, long days. So I don't envy those who are going down there to Athens uh, to watch this because, whoo, going to be a long day. Um, but yeah. Uh, other than that, I think we're good. Um, anything else from you two as far as this past week in Central Michigan sports? No, I think we've covered it yeah. all. Yeah, crazy <laughs> week down there, um, both for the softball team and then the men's basketball team coming up. But, Megan, Ashley, we appreciate you coming on. Um, you can follow Megan at MeganYB10 on Twitter. Ashley's at Ash Berkness. Um, you don't got Twitter. You don't want to be on Twitter. Uh, we don't blame you because it's, it's the social media <laughs> world today is difficult to navigate. But um, you can just find all of our work at cm-life.com. Megan and Ashley, thank you so much. And we can't wait to speak to you again after spring break uh, when some of this has kind of resolved itself. Hello, everybody. We're back here on Maroon and Bold. I'm sports editor Christian Boer, and right now I'm talking with our women's basketball beat reporter, Sean Chase. Sean, before we get into the nitty-gritty of stuff, though, spring break is exactly one week away, right? Yes, sir. I mean, technically less than that. You got until Friday. Um, Not going to have a desk meeting Friday. So basically, we're going to ride into the sunset on Thursday. Got to know, when the clock hits, I don't know when your last class is on Thursday, or maybe, do you have a Friday class? Yeah, I got a 10 o'clock on Friday. That's tough. <laughs> That's tough. So when the clock hits 10.50 on Friday, where does Sean Chase's mind go? Where's your head at heading into spring break? I'm going back to Nuevo. Everything's Nuevo focused. I want to see my family. Yeah. I've been grinding pretty much since I got up here Facts. before the first semester started. Like, I'm ready to just take a break, get into the baseball mindset, and yeah. get a little bit away from the struggles that have been women's basketball. Yeah, um, it's been tough for the women's basketball team. Third-year coach Heather Osterley having a tough year. Um, Four women transfer out of the program. Uh, That whole 2020 recruiting class leaves the program, um, leaving them with, I believe, nine. And then through injuries, they've seen that whittle down now to six. Um, Made a couple of additions to the program, at least for probably temporary, right? Um, So... Take us through. Who'd they add, and and what does that situation look like? Well, they added Cameron Olson and Austin DeWeese, who I covered with the volleyball mm-hmm. team. They play for CMU Volleyball. They Their first game was against Western Michigan when the team traveled down there last Saturday. They didn't see any time, but these two, girl, these two women played high school basketball. Both of them were multiple letter winners in their respected high school, like, like you said, though, they're not going to be here for the full ride. They're not leaving volleyball. They're, they're CMU women's basketball till the end of the season. Yeah, I would assume that's probably the case. Um, they they may play. They may not play. Uh, they didn't play Saturday against Western Michigan. Chippewas rolled with six. Um, you watched the game. Yes, sir. What was your impression of, of how Coach Osterley managed that whole situation and handled all that? I feel like she's been handling it well because it's so unexpected. Losing Molly Davis, then your best three-point shooter, Tiana Tempe, Kelly Martinez. She's never quit on this team, and the team has never quit on her. But I do feel like there was times in that game where if you put the volleyball players in, it may have gave some of the six players who've been here all year a break. 
But then you're how much are you losing on the defensive end because they've been with a team for less than a week? Yeah. Um, it's it's certainly going to be tough, right? It's yeah. going to be difficult. Um, but, you know, you can only play with what you have, I guess. Yeah. Um, and Molly Davis has been injured. Kelly Martinez has been injured. Uh, Tiana Tippy now is injured. Yeah. Um, and judging by the fact that they added the two volleyball players, it seems like she's probably done for the year. That's what I would assume they're shutting her down for the year. Because when I talked to O right after the t- – or Coach Osterley after the Toledo game – they didn't know where Tempe was going to be, but it seems like they shut her down for the year. Yeah, because um, I just can't see them making those additions. Obviously, maybe for depth purposes, but you got to stay above that seven-player limit, and they had to go out and get two. Yeah. Um, Which was smart, though, because if yes. one goes down, you're still above seven. Yep. Or at seven, at least, and that that was my main thought there. Yeah, so that's – I mean, that's huge. That's so important. But um, just kind of looking ahead, you know, we've got some time. Let's go through the roster a little bit. So Jahari Smith is gone, right? She's her and Callie Martinez are the two seniors. Other than that, you're bringing everybody back. If if nobody decides to transfer, you're bringing everybody back. What are your thoughts on next year's team? I think next year's team is going to be a a force in the MAC. I think it's been mostly freshmen running, as they always say in the games. These freshmen wouldn't see this type of time. Not only are they seeing real time, they're seeing time where they're losing and they're getting throttled by teams who next year they're going to want to flip the script on them. And Coach Osterley's got this mentality around that program that we're not victims, we're going to go get ours. So I think next year we're looking top two in the MAC. I don't want to be crazy and say, hey, I think we win it all. But if Molly Davis returns to form and she has – because with all the time she's been taking and carrying the load of the mm-hmm. scoring, that's wearing her down. If she comes back next year with Tiana Tempe and Hannah Knoll, who can hit the three without a question – Lisa Tesson, who can break down any defender and get to the basket, the big question going into next year is going to be who's going to be their interior presence. Because without Jahari, there is nobody who can play like her. Yeah. Um. So the one thing that Central Michigan is kind of behind the times on, and this has been kind of my general impression, is that maybe they're a little behind the times as far as the uh, transfer portal goes. Yeah. Um, haven't really utilized it at all since it's kind of taken off. Do you think this is the year that maybe the Chippewas try to go after maybe some people in the portal um, and try to make some additions that way? Because they do have a decent-sized recruiting class coming in. Yeah, they got some killers in that recruiting class. Right? Um, But they're going to have some scholarships available, obviously, and that'll be the case when four players leave. So I guess what are maybe your thoughts on potentially making additions through the uh, portal? I would love to see them go to the transfer portal. I don't know who's in it exactly yet, and we'll know more at the end of the season. But if they can find a experienced big to pair with Rebecca Gordon, who, as long as she stays, will be truly the only interior presence they got, I think that's going to help them. Because, like you said, they do have a good freshman class, but it's a lot of guards. There's a lot of young, ball-handling, three-point shooting players. It's got to come from the inside. we got to get someone from the transfer portal a six-footer, a six-two person who, because teams like Toledo, they're dominating the MAC because they got four women who are six foot four. Yeah, and they're you can't do anything in the paint to them. So if we can add through the transfer portal that way, I think that's the best way to go forward. Yeah, um, you know, I think that you're gonna have a couple scholarship spots available. With um, obviously, it's gonna be kind of because you're only losing two, right? And you've got thirteen to begin with, so that puts you at eleven, um, and then you figure. The four losses would put you at seven yeah. scholarship people. So you've got some wiggle room, right? Yeah. And um going to look up the recruiting class here and see what they've done as far as already signed. Um, so they had five last year. Um, but I guess it's just tough, right? It's just tough. Um, to go and get people, especially after a season like that, right? Yeah. Like, you're finishing last in the conference, but also you've got a coach who's been there, done that, right? Heather's won. Yeah. She's won regular season titles. She's won conference title. And I think if she can get this team back on track and dismiss this one year as kind of the the outlier, the fluke, um then this is going to, once again, become a very attractive spot for recruits no uh, very quickly. Yeah. And I think that's how it was kind of sold 
uh, to this recruiting class. Um, but then again, who knows, right? So I guess just looking at the roster that they have now, um, who's some names that stick out to you, right? Like who's what are the names? Can't say Molly Davis, right? Because she's the easy one. That but number one, who are you? Who who jumps out at you? When it comes to next season's CMU women's basketball team and, and maybe taking a leap? I think Carrington Gordon, number one. She finally got her first start of the season against Western Michigan. We've seen that she can dunk the basketball. Her hops are second to none in the conference. She's blocking players that she should have no shot of blocking. And she started the season shooting threes. She's fallen off a little bit on the back end with not being as successful from the three-point line. But she can figure that out and figure out how to get her speed to translate to the game. Mm-hmm. Because the problem right now for this team is Lisa Tessman and Carrington Gordon, nobody that they played can keep up with them, but they commit violations because they're moving too fast. Yeah. The traveling violations, the charging violations. If we can clear up those types of things, which I think another year, especially having the time away from the game to be able to sit and look back at film and see – this is where I want to work on. This is what I want to work on. I think Lisa Tess and Carrington Gordon are going to take leaps next season. But I also think Hannah Knoll is going to be a monster as well. You go through a rough freshman year. You're not shooting as well as you want to. My whole mindset for this team is they're going to be in the gym nonstop yes. until the start next year. Yeah, no doubt. Um, so Carrington Gordon is interesting to me. Um, I really like what Carrington Gordon brings to the table. I think she is super athletic. I think she can jump out of the gym. And once that skill set comes together, we could be talking about an all-timer. I really do. I really do. I think that just the athletic ability that she has is incredible. It's incredible. I do. I think that she is capable of becoming one of the better players to come through here in recent memory. Is she going to be... Michaela Kelly, I that's gonna be tough, right? That's gonna be yeah. tough. But she is without a doubt one of the top players to watch as f- moving forward heading into um next season. So um do have a little information for you on recruiting as far as that goes. Uh looks like Sydney Harris is signed. Um she's from Edwardsville High School. Um Taylor Anderson has signed. Um, so the Chippewas, again, making some addition, making some additions. Taylor Anderson is a guard, um, taller guard, which will be good because the Chippewas have always traditionally been kind of a small guard team. So getting some bigger guards who can maybe play combo positions, you know, maybe play the two and the three, um, will be interesting. Sydney Harris is a six footer, uh, hybrid guard forward as well. So we'll see how everything turns out, but in reality, I mean, just kind of looking ahead, the Chippewas, how do they, in your eyes, right, it's going to be tough to win game, these last two, Yeah. but in your eyes, what is, what is a successful finish to the season look like? I think if we, I don't think we're going to win, I don't think we're going to beat Ball State, but I do think there's a shot against NIU. We've beaten NIU already this season, but I think truly to have a successful year, even if they went, go 0-2 the rest of this way, as long as the, the players don't quit and they continue fighting because they've never stopped. They'd be down 25 points, mm-hmm. and they're still fighting. They're still letting it fly like they're within a point of these teams. I just want to see better ball movement, and I think that if, as Coach Osterley said m- hundreds of times this season as I've talked to her, if they can work the inside and then get shots to fall from the outside, even if it's against NIU and not against Ball State, they finish that last game shooting – above 25% from yeah. three, I think that boosts their confidence going into next year. Because you can forget about 26 losses if you do well at the end. And I think that that's always been the recipe for success for CMU, right? I think that it's always been playing inside out. Because when they had Kelly playing off Kira Bustle and Maddie Waters playing off Kira Bustle, that team was unstoppable. You could not stop them. It was a lock. They were going to go into a game and score 80 points. Because they were playing so well inside out. Oh, you want to help off of a shooter? Boom. Kira Bustle makes the pass, three-point basket. Yeah. Oh, you want to play single? You want to you want to stay with the shooters? Okay, well, then Kira Bustle's going to back you down and score one-on-one. Yeah. That's what this team, 
And I think that was the vision for this year's group because Tippy's a good three-point shooter. Hannah Noll can shoot it pretty well. Lisa Tesson's good. Obviously, you know what Molly Davis brings to the table. And I just think through injuries and, you know, whatever else was going on, I think that that vision just kind of fell apart. And next thing you know, you've got seven players to work with. And with the grind of a college season, fatigue takes over. And it can be really tough. So, I mean, we – it's going to be tough. No doubt. It's going to be really tough, but at the end of the year – you know, you're going to look back, you're going to see this group, this team, and, um, I mean, who knows? Who knows where we're, we're at a year from now having this conversation because I can see it going so many different ways. I got a feeling it's going to go one way. And I'm, I am been called the most optimistic person on the planet. I think we're winning the MAC championship next year. Yeah, man, uh, no doubt. Thank you for stopping in, Sean. I, uh, we appreciate, appreciate it. You. Appreciate all your insight. Sean's going to be taking over, well, not taking over per se, yeah. but helping out with the baseball beat uh, once the women's season wraps up right now. we got Noah Wolbrecht handling that. Um, but, yeah, you can follow Sean at, at underscore Sean Chase on Twitter. If, like I said earlier, if you're not into Twitter, just go to cm-life.com, click on the sports section, uh, and if you scroll down, you'll see a bunch of Sean's work. Um, so, yeah, Sean, thanks again, man, and uh, – can't wait to be having another conversation with you after spring break when uh, all this unfolds, and maybe we'll do a little off-season preview for the women's team. I like that. Sounds all good. right, welcome back to Maroon and Bold, a sports editor, Christian Boer. Right now I've got our gymnastics beat reporter, Ryan Kaloris. Ryan, how are you, man? Uh, not too bad. Um, have a midterm at 1 o'clock, but, uh, oh. but besides that, you know, can't complain. Very <laughs> fast approaching. It's currently 12.23, so good luck with that. Um, so... Before we get into gymnastics stuff, Ryan, as you know, we are less than a week away from the official start of spring break. Now, you're a Mount Pleasant kid, so my question to you is, and I've asked everybody this, where is your head at when your final class for the weekends? Where are you off to? Well, um, so I'm staying around in Mount Pleasant because uh, everybody else at my work is leaving. Oh, that's tough. one of two people from here, so... uh, so yeah, I'll be I'll be at work all week, but um, I'm kind of just excited to uh, just I don't know watch some basketball, yeah. watch just kind of unwind a little bit. Yeah. Um. So we're gonna do I think we're gonna do a uh, like a, our sports desk bracket pool. I think maybe what I'm gonna try to do is maybe get everybody together uh, Sunday night if everybody's back in town. Maybe come into the office and watch the selection show. Um, you get that scoop first because uh, you're the first person I've told about that. But awesome, No, just awesome. trying to make it fun. And obviously, though, I feel like that Sunday before spring break ends is quite possibly the worst day of the year <laughs> besides the, the last day before school officially starts. Um, so, yeah, just something to make it loose, make it fun. Um, but you're here to talk gymnastics, so let's do that. Um, they won on Sunday. Uh, you were there. How was the meet? How uh, who stuck out to you, and just kind of what were your overall impressions? Yeah. Um, so going into the meet, uh, Kent State was ranked 33rd in the nation coming Ooh. in. So yeah. So uh, go, going in, I mean, everybody kind of knew, you know, it, it wouldn't be a, a, an easy meet. It would, you know, stiff stiff competition. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, I think uh, CMU came and you know, they they really stepped up to the plate. They uh, um, some some of their rotations were just fantastic, like the floor exercise, which is uh, this was what they ended on, um, and they actually won the meet in the last rotation. But but yeah, no, they put up a forty nine five in, in the floor rotation. Jeez. It was their their lowest scoring uh, in, in the lineup was a nine eight five. So it was it, it was quite a way to end and and you know secure the win with with such an impressive rotation. Um, and I think what we've been seeing a lot lately is some of the upperclassmen um, in that rotation have have just been really holding it down. Specifically, uh, Hannah Demers and Sierra Demarinus. Yep. Um, Sierra Demarinus actually uh, tied her career high again, as she did. Really? Yep. Wow. She did, did the same last home meet too. So, so yeah, she's uh, with a nine nine five. So you know, that's uh. That's not bad. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's. It's <laughs> decent. Right, so so yeah, they're looking really good, and and elsewhere, um, freshman Leah Kamichik, uh, this is her third meet now, and she put up a nine eight seven five on the on the bars. So yeah. she's 
she's just come in uh, absolutely firing. You know, she's going to just be a, a long-term fixture for, for this team for the next few years. And, and it's, it's really exciting to see, you know, what she'll be able to do here at, um, at, uh, at Central. I was going to ask about that, um, the freshman, but the problem is is that when I was editing the story, I couldn't really pronounce her last name, so I didn't really know how to approach it, but I'm glad you brought that up. seems like they've kind of got a really good mix of experience and youth going on right now um, as far as the upperclassmen and the underclassmen. Um, I know Quinn Scrupa, I believe I'm saying that correctly, mm-hmm. she's done some good things as well. Um, and they kind of have that balance, which... I think all good teams need, right, because you need to have your experienced people coming into their own, right, taking over the, the program. And also it doesn't hurt to have some young people helping out, contributing ahead of what they may have been expected to do. So I think that's really good. Um, just kind of going forward, um, they're headed to Illinois uh, for, I think I believe it's a quad meet on Friday. I believe so, yeah. Um, and it's probably going to be some teams they've seen. I haven't seen the, the team list, but I'm sure it's going to be – they've seen Illinois, I think, twice already this year. Yeah, this will be their third. Yeah. Um, so just kind of going into that, what's your, uh, what's your expectations? Um, as far as expectations, um, I think the, the past few meets, you know, I, had talked, I touched a little bit on the floor rotation, but, but that's really been their bread and butter, and that's mm-hmm. where they've, they've been uh, just kind of making their living, essentially. So – so look for that to, you know, continue to improve. And I would imagine going into, or as we near the MAC championships, that's going to be uh, one of the main uh, focuses of the team. And uh, and CMU also just got back senior Morgan Tong. Oh, who, yes. So, National qualifier last year. Right, yeah. So so she's going to really help uh, round out that uh, beam yes. rotation. And I, I think the biggest thing is kind of just – uh, looking to maintain some of this, uh, some of the really good things that they're doing right now, and and it'll be interesting to see how how they approach that. Yeah, that's very good. Um, well, yeah, Ryan. I mean, it's it's been exciting. Just kind of real quick before we let you go. I know you got to get to maybe doing some last minute studying, but um, just kind of it's never too early, in my opinion, to look big picture and, and think about where this team might stack up in the Mid American Conference. Just kind of what you've seen them compete against some teams now from the MAC. Um, just kind of where do you think they fit as far as the championship conversation? Well, actually, on that note, um, this last meet, uh, CMU's mark was was the top in the MAC so far yeah, this year. So, there you go. So just that alone, you know, I, I I think the improvements between literally like a month ago and now are, are just drastic. And I think that uh, I think that if they can, you know, carry this momentum with them the rest of the season. Uh, I, I, I like their chances uh, yeah. going into the MAC championships. No doubt, no doubt. Well, Ryan, we're going to let you get to your studying before you go take that midterm, but um, appreciate you stopping in. You can find him on Twitter at Ryan Caloris, um, and as well as I believe we have a gymnastics tab on the website. Um, so if you're looking for that, you just click the sports um, link on our website, cm-life.com. Scroll down a little bit, you'll find gymnastics. You'll find all of Ryan's work. Uh, when gymnastics wraps up, he's going to help us out with some baseball stuff as well. So going to keep Ryan busy. He's doing a great job for us. Ryan, thanks so much for stopping by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you.